morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And today we have a very special guest, a renowned educator and TA expert in the space, and now a close friend of our entire GMC team. We've got Waters Above joining us on this Wednesday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Saudi Arabia is doubling down on their support of XRP, providing new evidence of how they plan to leverage RippleNet for settlement of oil trade. As new CBDC reports reveal over 93% of countries are currently walk, working on a central bank digital currency. Mark Yusko is predicting trillions are moving into the crypto as we speak, telling the world that institutions are ready to open the floodgates. And with the tokenization of real world assets already underway, we break down the details, showing our community how 2024 was built to be the year of the X. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I almost ran out of breath during that introduction. So I'm going to kick it over to you, my friend. How are you feeling? And thank you for being here. Abs, I'm feeling great. You go grab a couple gulps of air and uh, I'll just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you for showing up every day. Great to see Mario. And I'm excited today, Abs. It's been a while since we had Waters on. Waters, my friend, good to see you, bro. Can't wait to hop into it. Absolutely. And we got Mario joining us as well. Mario, first of all, how are you feeling? Thanks for making time for us this morning. Yeah, I'm feeling awesome. Good morning, everyone. Super excited to be here. Good morning, Johnny, Abs, everybody in the chat. And of course, our, our very close friend, Waters. Absolutely, guys. Waters, I just want to say thank you for making time for us. Every time we have you on this program, our entire team learns a lot. and We have some great discussions afterwards. But how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm doing better every day. Thanks for having me back on. It's great to reconnect with you guys and looking forward to this one. Absolutely. So are we, Waters. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button, getting updates throughout the day. When we check out the Bitcoin fear and greed index, Johnny, we're in greed this morning, believe it or not, sitting at a 64. And when we look at some of the daily movers, it is green across the board. FTT token taking wow. center stage up about 18%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.12 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 50% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 30,700. Ethereum, 1,900. XRP is 47 cents. And Cardano staying steady here below 30, sitting at 29 cents. With that being said, Waters, I'd love to kick it over to you for, to get some TA. There's a lot of topics in the crypto market today, but I think the biggest thing everyone's focused on is, is this the pump before the dump? And maybe you can provide some clarity for our listeners. I'd love to kick it over to you, Waters. Yeah, sure. Let me go ahead and try to share my screen with you guys and kind of take it from there. Just give me a second. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So let me know if you could see my screen. Perfect. We can see it. Great. So is there anything specific you guys wanted to get into or you just want to give me a general, you want me to give you a general overview of what's going on in this particular chart? I'd love to get a general overview and then we'll follow up with questions. Sure. So let me take all this noise off the chart for everyone and make it really, really nice and simple. Basically, you could see that we've had a start of a trend reversal essentially in the micro by breaking this horizontal resistance at 25,000 back in March. 
And since probably the last time I connected with you guys, coming up to 30K and actually back testing that 25K resistance and confirming it as a new support and then moving on to higher highs, which is very, very positive. And if Bitcoin does this, that's kind of like the mover of the entire crypto market. And uh, that's probably the best basic place to get going with this. And then I'll just bring up some trend lines and, you know, kind of just keep it again, very simple, not get too complicated with the indicators here. You could see that I have a fib, a fib retracement pulled from the current all-time high down to the swing low of November 2022. And you could also see that um, we've recovered above this 382 fib. And what's very significant about that is when you get above that level, we start moving into uh, essentially like calling it an, uh, a relief rally or somewhat of what could be a bull trap. And we can't consider it anything otherwise until we actually have a break into price discovery, new all-time highs. But seeing it get above this 382 is actually pretty bullish. Um, and it's something that we've seen in the indices, the Dow Jones, S&P, NASDAQ, um, even very extreme examples in those. And um, for the rest of the crypto market, this is a very positive thing to see Bitcoin getting above this 382 level and getting closer to this 0.5 fib. And um, you could also see I'm going to zoom in on this white support trend line here. This is pretty incredible that we continue to backtest this. This trend line's now in play going on almost 200 trading days, which is a lot of data to work with. And we mm -hmm. tend to be spaced out in the way that not only we top out in these microcycles, but when we pull back to backtest this particular uh, trend line. And uh, in some of the recent videos that I put out over on my YouTube channel, you guys can go check that out if you want more in-depth analysis. I've been speaking of after backtesting this trend line, we tend to move about 50% uh, up and also it takes about 40 days to complete the move off of the backtest. So if we were to take from the last touch on this trend line over about 40 days and then move it up about 50%, you're going to see that it brings us somewhere into this territory of 37,000, 38,000 by the end of this month. But specifically, it lands on July 25th into July 26th which is critical because that's the next Federal Reserve's FOMC meeting. Um, and if you're unaware, you know, that tends to be another mover in the market. What the Fed does is pretty much how the overall market responds. And it'll be interesting to see how this goes over the next couple of weeks because we're sort of in a lull. If you look at the Bitcoin chart, we've been topping out at this 31K resistance going on three weeks now. So it's getting kind of boring. And, um, you know, when it starts to get very, very boring is right before we have a massive move. Um, so I'm more directionally focused on the upside solely because of this chart over here, which is the Bitcoin CME futures chart. And on this CME futures chart, I have a couple of gaps pointed out. I'm sure some of your listeners that are into technical analysis are aware of the significance of any of these gaps that form because they tend to get filled. Um, I'm not like a gap believer by any means, but the data shows that we do tend to fill them more times than none. So you just got to go with the data, of course. Um, and this is showing a gap somewhere around 35,200. So that would definitely be what I anticipate to happen next before entertaining any uh, larger corrections. So we have, again, trend is your friend until it's over and we have this upside gap around 35k we have uh, data showing that once we back test this major uh trend line support we tend to have a nice relief off of that and the move that we're anticipating isn't anything ridiculous it's very conservative and it would put us somewhere into the bottom of this golden pocket territory which uh is 
typically what we get at the finality of a relief rally. Um, specifically in my work, I call it an automatic rally because I'm a student of the, the work of Richard Wyckoff and the Wyckoff method kind of labels each step. Uh, you have over here, your all-time high would be called a buying climax. Your cycle low would be called a selling climax when all of your selling pressure is exhausted. And then off of that, you have a bear trap, getting people to think we're going to continue lower and lower and lower and actually it reverses in the opposite direction. And it could take a very long time, which is very arduous for the bears, you know, and every time you have one of these bigger pullbacks, you get the bears excited, but it just continues on its relief path. And that's the brilliance of combining Wyckoff method with basic TA, uh, such as this fib retracement tool, because you could actually kind of dial in not only the timing of this move, but where it will go. Uh, that's what's really um, comprehensive about my system is even though we get into some of the decoding stuff with gematria, numerology, and even basic astrology, we're not just leaving it at that. We're actually telling you where the charts are going. And that's where it's very helpful. So I'm directionally more bullish at this time until about August. Um, I will let it see how it goes after that next FOMC meeting. Thank you so much, Waters. And before we get into the XRP price chart, I do have a question for you. First of all, we got 265 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I want to say thank you to Waters Above. It's always a pleasure to have you on. When we look at the Bitcoin price chart in particular, there's a massive catalyst on the horizon now with all of these ETF filings. We saw BlackRock, Fidelity, and CBOE all file for Bitcoin ETFs this week. So the question I have for you is when you're looking at the astrology, when you're looking at the price charts, does that seem like a catalyst for the price chart? Are you anticipating anything big for Bitcoin off of the ETF news? You know, I think when it comes to this kind of news stuff, it's very good at gaining a lot of attention. Like it, it builds a lot of conspiracy and it makes people feel this sense of comfort that there's a reason. And, um, you know, that's sort of the opposite of my work. And what I offer the world and what's so, you know, kind of unique about my work is showing that there's a code behind all of this. And that code is much, much more significant. And by having this awareness of decoding and my decoding strategy and many other decoding strategies, by the way, I by no means have, you know, the only one. It's been influenced by many other great decoders, of course. Um, but with that system, I can now see what's coming on the horizon much further in advance. And I don't need to spend much of my, of my time uh, investing in what's going on in the news or any of these updates. And, and that's tricky. You know, because there is a time where it's important to be aware, like what I was saying before about the Federal Reserve and this FOMC meeting that's coming up. But ultimately, look at all the times where people get swindled by the idea that news is somehow bullish or bearish, and then they actually bet on that with investments, and it typically goes the opposite direction. So whenever I hear positive or bullish uh, seeming news, I actually get kind of bearish. Um, so I'm not entertaining anything positive based off of this Bitcoin ETF thing. I know it's been part of the, you know, conversation and a lot of people that want to focus on that kind of stuff, they're going to continue to believe those sorts of things. And I'm not saying it is not going to impact. Um, but the way that I play this game is I don't worry too much about the news. I just look at the yeah. charts. I agree with you. I haven't watched the news in so long. It's pointless. If you watch the news, you're going to get confused. Hey, Waters, question for you on the chart. Um, I know there's a lot of talk sometimes. Uh, are you a believer in like 4.26 fib extensions? And what would that look like on that chart if, if we were to get a, a 4.26? Is that something you could do just to kind of show uh, our viewers what a 4.26 extension might look like in, in the next bull run? 
Are you? Oh, you're talking about the overall fib pool, the one that I have here from the swing high to the swing low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were the four point two six looking? Okay. I mean, that's where you so, would do it, right? From that high to that low. Um. It. So it depends. Uh, I'll clear this up for people because you know the one thing that I am very good with is using this fib retracement tool, and I know anyone who's you know followed on my courses, they've become like wizards of this tool. So. Right now, what you're looking at, this 1618, is actually based in a logarithmic scale with this setting turned on that's matching the FIB setting. So just to be super, super simple with people, when you're using TradingView, if you press Option L, you're going to change it from linear chart to a logarithmic chart. Right now, we're looking at a logarithmic chart. And whilst this FIB is pulled, you actually need to go into the individual setting of that FIB retracement and click this on. And when you do that, you're going to get this golden ratio number showing up this 1618, I actually entertain moving forward that this would be more um, helpful to determine the next Bitcoin all-time high. Somewhere within this uh, territory of the golden ratio on a log scale with that log setting turned on. Now, if you wanted to look at this from a linear scale, then you could sort of entertain that one uh, that 4.236 that you brought up earlier. And I even uh, talk about this in my course as well. This five to six FIB extension is possible sometimes when you're looking at altcoins. Now, I'm not uh, going to entertain this with a Bitcoin chart. Not gotcha. at all. But for, an alt, gotcha. but for an altcoin chart, for sure. Okay, that's really good. So go back to then the uh, logarithm that you were saying on the golden pocket. What's that number come out to? It's hard to see that. Is that 173? So the golden ratio, this 1.618 is showing you 173,000. Okay. So that's where potentially the real lit. Technically. Yeah. Technically that is a potential next all time high, possibly in the next bull run. You wouldn't see it any, anything higher. You wouldn't look at the 4.26. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that brother. Yeah. Always learn yeah. something new with it every day. That's freaking fantastic. Yeah. Thank so you. on altcoins, what I would like to do, I would actually keep the altcoin in a linear scale, turn that setting off on the fibs and actually entertain the 4.236 all the way up to the six spot fib extension. And there is some examples like with Dogecoin and Digibyte in one of the prior cycles. And, you know, there's many, many, many of these examples where you see going way past that. So it's deterministic on how you actually pull the fib. You know, the more data you have and the more stretched out it is, the the more elongated the cycle, it's more accurate. But again, it comes up to the user and how you particularly like to pull the fib. So when you're trying to make a decision between logarithmic or linear, what's the key factor, deciding factor to choose which one to use? I do logarithmic when I'm looking at long-term data, when I'm trying to analyze the macro. But if I'm trying to do the uh, micro, I would use linear in that case, um, especially okay. when we're trying to, like, I'll give a good example. Let's just say on the move right here, I'll, if you want to pull up my chart, I could show you. So right here, if I was to be live in this moment, let's just say we were living through this at one time, all this on the right, we have yet to actually experience, you know, you can yeah. start to play around with right here, I'm going to pull a fib in reverse from yep. here to there. Now, this is very, very noisy. Let me do my best to turn this all off. And I don't want this to turn into like a technical analysis lesson and waste your guys' time. I know I did feel um, bad. I, Johnny, I did want to move on, but continue, Otis. 
No, no, no. I mean, just the final thing I'll say is I pulled this in a very weird way that a lot of people aren't used to. It's a bearish fib retracement where I'm pulling it from our critical support level in reverse to the current high. Now I'm trying to determine, well, if this starts to invalidate, where do you anticipate a very critical level? Well, right there, you have that 1618. You know that's the line in the sand. And you could see very clearly we had about three trading days before this just cascaded to the downside. So it can help us now. As a technical analyst, you want to study the past as much as you can because that'll help you you know get more refined in the data moving forward but we can move on waters i would love to switch into the xrp price chart johnny i don't know if you had another follow-up please close us out here um no i think that was good i think it was good lesson it was good learnings and you know what abs the funny thing was i always kind of felt in my gut 120 to 150 would be where we'd see the next bull run and with this showing 173, like, you know, the gut wasn't, wasn't perfect, but it was kind of close. And we've got guys like Tim Draper calling for a $250,000 Bitcoin in 2024. But we are going to switch this topic into an XRP conversation, guys. And if you're here for that content, show us some love and support. Smash that like button. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to our channel so you can get these live feeds every day. With that being said, Waters, I'd love to get some TA and we'll roll into some articles. Yep. Well, another thing to preface with is if Bitcoin goes up to like 40,000, then what do you think that does for XRP? Right. So actually learning TA is best to just go with Bitcoin, even if you are holding zero Bitcoin and you're primarily a supporter of XRP and the ISO 222 compliant tokens, etc. That's like a big misconception for people like and I think the XRP community could really help from the wisdom I just shared right there, like learn chart analysis on Bitcoin. It has 13 years of chart data. It'll really help. And you don't even need to invest in it. I learned a lot from just doing TA and Amazon chart, eBay chart, Microsoft chart, gold. I mean, I don't invest in any of that stuff. So to, to be a really good technical analyst, you kind of need to study, you know, the culture of how charts move over time. But getting to this um, XRP chart, just to show the very basics here, We have a W formation, which broke bullish into around late March. And then since we've actually backtested the neckline, which is very positive, especially because we're maintaining a higher low structure. So the trend is your friend, right? We're in a more bullish trend, regardless of the fact that XRP keeps getting smacked down at 50 cents. Um, So there's really nothing to get excited about until you see this uh, Fib pull over here. You have the 786. You want to start closing daily candles above this 54 cent level. And then I entertain a straight line breakout pretty much straight to 80 cents. Um, until then, we're sort of just trapped. But we do have a very solid, um, you know, I would say we're going on 200 days now of a micro trend reversal. But No parties just yet. This is clearly very suppressed. And what would help XRP is people to actually invest in it. And that's the reason it's not moving is because clearly there's no people. There's no new investors. Waters, one of the things I learned from you directly is that XRP, I was somebody who used to dollar cost average buy and hold this thing through the markets. Well, what I learned from you is XRP is a trader's coin. And you just highlighted how you think we could easily go from 60 cents to about 83 cents during, a, during some sort of a catalyst. So let me ask you, when we look at the price charts, everybody's focused on the lawsuit. Are we one catalyst away for some big price action? And if we did get above 83 cents, what are some other ranges that you're looking at? Well, you know, I think that's always the talk of the town with XRP. It's people want to talk about the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit and like how that will affect price. And I really don't believe in any of that at all because we have proof, Okay. The lawsuit happened here on this correction. And then within a couple months of that correction, by Bitcoin breaking out into price discovery, like I said earlier, 
we had XRP breakouts almost $2 during the lawsuit. So there was no end of lawsuit then, and it still had the ability to do this. Why? Because it was piggybacking off of money that the Federal Reserve was injecting into this market. This isn't mythology. So I don't entertain the uh, lawsuit having any real value in the overall huge swings of XRP. I just think we need more investors. We need more new money. And that needs to come from people regardless of waiting around for some you know, arbitrary case to end. Because it will go up in value if a majority of the investors put money in it. That's it. That's how the whole game works. It's belief. Yep. If you really Warren, believed in the project, it would go up. I couldn't agree with you more. I've been saying that for a while on this show, that the real driving factor for any of this stuff is just liquidity. And we know yeah. the Fed was injecting a shit ton of money due to the C word. Back then, there was a ton of liquidity coming in. And my, my theory is there isn't going to be the Fed turning on the printing presses for this next bull run. But what, I, what my theory is, potentially, and I'm curious of your thoughts, the next source of liquidity maybe comes from the fact that if this BTC ETF gets approved, do we start to see some institutions who have said they're sitting on the sideline with one, two, three basis points of money that they want to put into this space? Will they finally come into this space? And could that be the liquidity injection we need to drive the next bull run, you know, if the timing is right. So I'm curious of what your, Absol what your thoughts are. Absolutely. You know, like just to remind people of the difference in money and the ultra wealthy versus the average person, like when Bill Gates wakes up to take his morning piss, he makes more money than, you know, a hundred percent of the community <laughs> of most places <laughs> yeah. on earth for their entire yearly salaries combined. Like he's just getting done putting his belt back on and he's already I made agree. more I money than the more all important of you. question though, Waters is does he sit or does he stand? That's what I'm wondering. It's probably he's probably sitting down because we all know he of wants course. to feel that gold toilet seat <laughs> on his butt, right? That gold seat. I couldn't help myself, Waters, but I did want to keep you focused. What are you thinking? I forget what we were actually talking about. The XRP price chart. <laughs> you don't even think it's going to be driven by the XRP loss. So maybe you can elaborate on that. People call XRP. No, I didn't. Oh, I'm not necessarily saying that the lawsuit doesn't have a, you know, a function in all of this price action. I absolutely accept that. I'm just letting people know that that is not the sole reason because we clearly have proof in the charts otherwise, right? Let's just entertain one thing, everyone. When Bitcoin started to break out into 40,000, into 50,000, this was around the same time that we started to see XRP on, on this rise as well. And, um, you know... We had a very recent negative set of events for XRP isolated against XRP. But do you guys remember Stellar Lumens? Stellar Lumens never made a new all-time high. Like, why did XLM not go on to making a new all-time high? It didn't have a lawsuit against the Stellar Foundation. You see? Why, why was this unable to continue much higher than its 2017, 2018 all-time highs? Like, what's the problem here? I'm asking. I, I want to know what do you guys theorize? Johnny, I, I do have a conspiracy, but it's pure conspiracy. You give me your thoughts, I'll tune them on. No, you go first. Go ahead. So when it comes to XLM, we know it's the sister coin of XRP. And it's built for tokenization. It's built for central bank digital currencies. I'm going to go off a slight tangent and return to your question, Waters. When we had uh, Mark Yusko on the program, he talked about how JP Morgan was able to corner the copper market and control it. What did they do when they decided they wanted to buy all the copper on the planet or all, all the copper in America? They told everybody it was crap while everything else was pumping, it. copper was dumping. So what I think is that many of the legitimate projects are being suppressed 
Well, a lot of the BS in the market is allowed to thrive so they can build on top of these networks. Pure conspiracy here. So, Johnny, you give me your thought. Well, I mean, it comes down to, at the end of the day, the buyers. As as Warder said earlier, you have to have buyers coming in. Apparently, there there was no excitement around this thing. And so the the reason of why, I, I can't necessarily say I know why there was no excitement, why people weren't coming in. But obviously, you know, as the money kind of what I call a halo effect, You've got money that floats into Bitcoin first, and then all that money finds other places, and there's so many opportunities that maybe there was, you know, that that has less attention to it. Why? I don't know, but my guess, but obviously from a technical perspective, just the money wasn't there. People weren't looking to buy it for some reason. Yeah, and I think we we didn't see we didn't see like a strong fundamental utility kind of run. It was just a hype, you know, like meta. Or Facebook changed the meta. Let's all go after Decentraland. And then Dogecoin. Let's all go after the next meme coin, Shiba Inu. We saw mo- more of that than, than actually anything else. I think Waters brings up a good point as far as XLM never reaching an all-time high. Um, that's definitely intriguing. And he also, I thought it was very important when he mentioned that Bitcoin is the energy of the market. It's important to understand the cycle that Bitcoin has been repeating. And we often hear... You know, this time is different, but then as Waters can attest to it because he's a technical analyst, when you look at the charts, we see that history tends to rhyme. And so a question I had for Waters is we're now under very different economic circumstances. And again, people say this time is different, but can the crypto market really repeat a cycle like it did from the previous bull runs? Can it repeat this again, 2024, 2025 going forward? How, what do the charts tell you? Yeah, well, again, I I wanted to just make sure that everyone sees where I was coming from before. It's that there was no lawsuit against Stellar Lumens, but yet it wasn't able to enter price discovery and it was still very suppressed. So whatever reasoning we could come up, I just want everyone to be reminded that we can't just isolate the SEC case against Ripple as our motivator for uh, entertaining upside targets or downside. It really, it's just one piece of the puzzle. Um, And your question about your question about uh, my concept of the 2024 bull run, are we talking uh, solely based in crypto? Are we? uh, Sorry, Waters. I want to come back to that question because you pulled up something phenomenal. You're comparing the the silver chart to the stellar chart. Let's elaborate there and circle back to Mario. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is what it is, family. Like, I don't know what to tell people. Like, what do you (laughs) want? People are like, what's this Waters guy doing with the Gamasha? <laughs> so Is it a tinfoil hat. Draw draw the conclusion here. If we're looking at the stellar chart and we're looking at the silver chart and they're eerily similar, what, where's where is it what, headed? Yeah. So I think Abs was just talking about it, about how there's people coming now and they're saying that it's like a look here, don't invest here kind of situation regarding stellar lumens because it was all the prana was going towards things like NFTs and the meme coins, right? That's the theory. And it wasn't being given to things like Stellar. Well, we saw the the precious metals bugs, the people who tend to be actually very anti-crypto, like the Peter Schiff's and et cetera. They get on these big, uh, I would call them mainstream channels now regarding finances and talking about economics as a whole. And they have this very, you know, systematic month after month oh, silver's going to go to $40 because of this next week. And like their energy and their memory that they have around silver and precious metals entering new all-time highs is almost identical to what we see with like the XRP army and their fanaticism 
of being anti everything else and only pro this one particular thing. So you see where I'm going with this? Like, I feel like just look at this stellar lumens chart and then look at this silver chart and it's uncanny. Like we're looking at history right in front of our eyes and it's, it's duplicated stellar lumens is silver. It's just, this is where you want to study. If you want to break away from the news and all the other narratives and all the other stuff. So I can't go too, too deep into this right now, but I just want to show people the chart and I'll leave the chart here. Anyone could screen cap it and have fun, guys. Go study this. Go study this. So the next time you ever hear somebody, one of these talking heads come out and perpetuate this silver's going to do this or Stellar's going to do this, and then they're going to tie it to some sort of narrative, some sort of event, you can remind yourself of what you're looking at right now. That's all. So if 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 Stellar is silver, what is gold? I think that we need to be kind of careful of some of these ideas because it's like people are going to take this literally and we're talking esoterically right now. This is like a very esoteric concept. This isn't me literally calling stellar the silver of crypto. Like I I think a lot of people are going to want to turn it into that and that's going to butcher (laughs) my, yeah, that's going to butcher my concept. Yeah. I'll Um, do that. You know, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. Sort of the same thing that happens with like the moon cycles. When we talk about this stuff, like some people are like, they'll hit me up and they're like, it's a full moon. Why is the market going up? And I'm like, you didn't learn anything. Did you like, you're clearly (laughs) not paying attention. And then they throw out these absolutes. And I'm like, this is what's made me very cautious over the past couple of years of being in this YouTube space. I just want to I want to make people uh, have an aha moment. And I think this is a good aha moment for for all of us. And I tend to have it happen to me by random all the time. Like anyone who watches my Red Pill podcasts, you'll have moments where I'm decoding something and I'm blown away. Like I just recently was touching on quant in my last Red Pill and it turned into a decode by mistake. And I know a lot of people are interested in quant and all of that. And I went into the symbolism and it was super fun for me because I'm not attached onto any of these projects. I'm just sitting on the sidelines and using my uh, analysis and decoding system and having fun. But um, moving forward from this chart, I think you guys asked a question about the 2024 bull run. I think it was Mario's question. Can you just, uh, Mario, can you just reiterate that simply so I can understand? Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's very important that everybody makes their own conclusion. It's just that people tend to look for answers, right? People want to know, people want to be guided. They want somebody to hold their hand and kind of tell them what to do. But we're just, what my question was, uh, as far as the cycles, uh, we look back and we see that Bitcoin has gone on various bull runs based on the halving. And there's always that phrase of this time is different. But based on your chart analysis, and again, I know this is just Mm -hmm. your opinion. Do you see the charts forming a, a repeat of the pattern? Yes, I do. Um, for Bitcoin, but do I for every other thing? No. Um, I think that Bitcoin and ETH are really tethered together through the mythologies, and that's another conversation. I don't really want to go there right now, but to be to be direct about this having event and how it works and how it operates, there's one uh, layer that's missing from it that's esoteric that I've shared with the world probably over the past year and a half. And it has everything to do with the eclipses and the start of solar cycles or lunar cycles. And I know I've spoken about it on your guys's channel as well, but let's just quickly go back to the last start of a lunar cycle. And it was right here. And what this is, is you have a two and a half year period that's started with lunar eclipses. And then what happens is for the next two, two and a half years or so, 
every lunar eclipse is very negative on the price action of the market, specifically to crypto. And what we have here, this, this lunar eclipse that happened, I know this is a monthly chart. It's a lot of data, but just you guys could all remember that it was the end of alt season moving into April of 2021. That was also when XRP almost hit $2 and it didn't go any higher since then. So right here was the moment of the start of the lunar cycle where we had a two and a half year cycle of um, lunar eclipses being super powerful. Then we fast forward to some of these lunar eclipses that were happening after the start of this, and we have Terra Luna collapse, okay? Followed by this lunar eclipse into the end of this year in November of 2022, which was the FTX collapse. And right here into this movement into April, into April, we started a solar cycle. Now, Bitcoin tends to be in bull runs during solar cycles, and it tends to be in what we call bear markets during lunar cycles. So if you look right here at this relief rally, this right here, this moment of entering June, July was the start of a solar cycle. Bitcoin time and time again keeps doing the same thing. So I'm going to tell you guys the markers. Marker one, we tend to hit all-time high in Q4. Then one year later, exactly one year, we have a all-time low in Q4 leading into basically the start of the new year. Then we have when we enter a solar cycle, we move into an uptrend. And then after that, we tend to top out in Q4 again, bottom in Q4 one year later, relief rally into solar cycle, rinse, repeat. It's happened every single time and it's missing from the conversation because if you just want to talk about the Bitcoin having event, it's only one of the motivating factors. Um, now, I haven't had the time to backtest this in the stock market because the stock market has 100 years of data and it would just be too much for me to take on right now. And it's it's really not even that important because most of the time we're all focused on crypto anyways as you know this more nascent technology and getting an early concept. Um, so do I believe that we're going to move bullish and have a similar cycle for Bitcoin compared to the prior cycles? Yes. Could I say the same for something like uh, Shiba Inu? No. Can I say the same for something like Hex? No. Can I say the same for something like, you know, so this is where it kind of gets a little complicated. Um, it's not going to be across the board because we did see in 2020 into 2021, even with all the money that the Fed was printing, all this liquidity that was injected, we did not get a new all-time high in Monero. Really? I mean, barely. We did not really get a new all-time high in Dash. We didn't get one in Bitcoin Cash. We didn't get one. We have a lot of these examples, right, guys? Yeah. We didn't get it in Stellar Lumens. So, But what did we see it in? We saw meteoric rises in complete memory, and it was mind-blowing to watch. You know, so we we just need to kind of see what's to come over this transition from now into 2024, because I believe there will be a washout event and this will wash out a lot of what we could just call the bad player, the bad actors in the space, kind of like the FTXs and Terra Lunas, but it will be bigger and more, more, uh, you know, more deconstruction, I suppose. And then that liquidity has to go somewhere. So it's going to flood out of one thing into another thing. And this is a, a really positive time for those who've been doing the research, such as people that, you know, are following along your guys' work, you know, so yeah. we, we need to be aware that the money has to flood out of the shit and go into something that has a little bit more fundamentals and working technology behind it. And hopefully a team of people that mean well and actually like, you know, have gone through all of the legal, you know, framework, et cetera, so that their investors don't get fleeced 
absolutely waters. And here's a video from Hedera's co-founder here talking about exactly what you said. For these markets to mature, there needs to be a wiping out of illegitimate projects. And we're seeing that start right now. Typically, the history of any kind of market is that you have this enormous springing up of thousands and thousands of companies, and then you have a crash, and then you get down to three or four whatever big companies that continue on. There, and that's the way every revolution tends to happen. I'm sure we'll see the same pattern here. So I thought it was brief, yep. but I think he highlighted it perfectly, Waters. So I'm going to kick it over to Johnny exactly. and you, and then continue. Uh, Johnny, I didn't know if you had a question. Sorry. No. Oh, no question. All right. We'll go right back into our TA then because we got a lot of articles prepared, but I do want to finish up with the year 2024. As I watch a lot of your content, I'm in your Patreon. I took your trading course, Waters. I don't know if you know that. But one of the things that I have oh, come I appreciate from him, that, brother. Of course. Thank you so much. Gonzo is actually the one who put me onto it. So shout out to Gonzo as well. We got 471 live listeners here, guys. Show us some love and support. Smash that like button. We don't take money from you guys. We don't ask for donations, but we do ask that you hit the like button, please. So Waters, as we look at 2024, you've highlighted that it appears to be the year of the X. I'd love to elaborate. And I wrote down a couple follow-up questions. Maybe you can just give a broad overview. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's as basic as the Gregorian year that we're heading into 2024, which we tend to just abbreviate with the 24 and where this concept gets even, you know, more important is through the Hebrew calendar. And in the Hebrew system, it will be the year 5,784 and five plus seven plus eight plus four numerology reduces down to 24. So that'll be happening starting mid-September of this year, lasting all the way until September of 2024. So this 24 concept is because X is the 24th letter in the alphabet. And that X is a symbol that we see a lot in cryptocurrency. And it's a symbol of transhumanism, really. It's a symbol of the technocratic new age. And it's been going on since, you know, kind of X.com and everything that's come from that and everything that's going to be happening with X Corp with Elon Musk now taking over Twitter. And this X is been in preparation sort of as the stamp or the logo or the symbol of what were the the era that we're moving into. So might be a little bit uh, esoteric and kind of hard for people to absorb some of this information, but we're just going to keep it as simple as this X is, is everything in this new world. I don't really want to call it the new world order, but that's really, that's really it. If the new world order had a symbol, it would be the X. And we've seen this through the skull and crossbones, the Yale secret society logo. Um, and that's very important for this particular year because we're in the year of 2023. That's the 223. If you study Skull and Bones, you know they're number 322. They're literally called the Order 322. I mean, all of this is about numerology and symbolism. And if people can't see, you know, the tie here to XRP, having the X as their symbol and specifically all the other X coins. And I don't want people, people should not forget this, that Bitcoin has an alternative ticker symbol. It's XBT. People forget this a lot and they're anti-Bitcoin and they're super pro uh, XRP and they're, they're missing out on these fundamentals, which could only come to you if you're open-minded enough. So 2024, the last thing I'll say uh, about this X to take it uh, to an astrological place, but 
very, very basic stuff. We have a solar eclipse that's going to be happening on October 14th of this year. This solar eclipse will be leading into the next eclipse that happens in April of 2024, and it's called the Great American Eclipse. And this Great American Eclipse actually forms an X over the United States of America. And why this is so important is because the zone of where this energy is all happening is over the point of this country or the country of the United States of America that holds the most power, which will be Washington, D.C. and uh, New York City, the New York Stock Exchange and uh, Washington, D.C., which is part of, you know, the unholy trinity, I like to call it. So it's important that people see that there's a lot of power that's going towards America. And America plays its role as being the financial powerhouse of the globe as it's the world reserve currency, the Federal Reserve System tied to it. Um, and there's a lot of changes to come with the digitization of currency and central bank digital currencies, Fed now going live pretty soon. This is all sort of the precursor for the events that I think will come in the X year, the year of 2024. Very interesting waters. I'm going to ask a very naive question, but I got to ask it. When we look at the astrology, do the elites, do the people who control these markets plan according to the astrology or do they see the astrology and then come up with the events? It might be an immature question, but I'm, I'm wondering. No. Uh, well, I, you know, there's that like famous quote of uh, a JP Morgan where he said, like, you know, millionaires don't hire astrologers, but billionaires do. And it could either be taken that way where he says hire like actually hiring astrologers, or he could mean that they themselves practice astrology and they know about it. Um, whilst the rest of you, you know, peons that go to school and get an education program, you know, they're, they're out here learning the stars. They're studying the cosmos. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like their basic education system is what I would assume. But there's two forms of, of basic astrology. Um, there's there's the tropical system and the sidereal system. And the tropical system is what most people study. And the sidereal is actually going into the astronomy when you're actually observing the real sky. And most people don't do this. Most people, when they're studying astrology, they're not looking into the sidereal system. And it, it makes the matter complex. When most people read their zodiac, they are told their zodiac sign tied from tropical. But sometimes when they look at the sidereal and actually look at the sky when they were born on that day, there's programs, by the way, to do this, like Stellarium, etc., They'll find that they might not even be the sign that they thought they were, that they thought their whole life. You know what I'm saying? So it's a very confusing moment for people uh, about the astrology. So the last thing I'll say in this before it gets off the rails is, is the elite util utilizing a form of astrology that they don't let us play with? That's the bigger question, because you can go out of your way and study tropical all day. But if you have no awareness of the Vedic astrology or sidereal, then you're going to be missing out on the actual observance of the sky then what are you doing? You're just looking at a fucking computer blueprint. There's a real sky when you look up that you can actually use a telescope and see what's happening. And there's discrepancies between the tropical and what's going on in the real sky. Um, so yeah, it gets multifaceted and it requires that foundation. And I think that foundation of what I just said is way more important for people to hear than the idea of like who's using what and why are they using it? I, I really do think that astrology is a great way of the global elite bloodlines to control and manipulate the consciousness of man. And this is all you need to do in order to control people. You control and manipulate them through fear. 
So a lot of this, you know, stuff I think are the nuances that are that are overlooked. And that is very astrological. On the individual level, it's up to you, you know, how much power you'll let it have. Johnny Crypto, I remember this quote when I read this back in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, back in middle school. JP Morgan said, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. So waters above, congratulations. It seems like you're on the right path, my friend. But I've asked a lot of questions here, Johnny. <laughs> I do want to get some thoughts from you and Mario. Please ask a question here and then I'll continue. Well, no, I mean, we've been saying this for a while. That certainly astrology has a big play. That's how I actually found waters three years ago when I wanted to try to understand how do you make sense of all this stuff? Cause you could tell there was some other forces going on and happening here. And how do you look at, you know, how, how is the game played really at the end of the day? And so I was thankful to find waters. I am part of his program too. love it. Uh, you'll learn a real, real lot. So if you haven't joined this man's um, his website or his programs, you, you you're going to want to join it. There's a lot to learn. It's going to open your mind. It's going to blow your mind. It means first. a lot to me. No, man, dude, absolutely. I, I remember looking, I was so happy when I found you and like, holy cow, it's good to finally see, to be able to tie the different pieces together, what's happening in the universe and and, and how it drives everything. I believe it's, the, listen, at the end of the day, everything's energy. Your energy, I'm energy, the universe is energy. That's correct. And how these energies play and push and pull things into place and, and when to optimize to do things with the optimal energies, to me, always kind of made some kind of sense. But I, you know, you're not taught this stuff in school, right? You got to go seek it no. out, but you first have to have an open mind to do that. And so, guys, if you haven't, sign up. Go sign up by Warden's Patreon. You won't you won't be disappointed. You'll learn something new, I promise. Johnny Crypto, Waters Above gave us a brief teaser earlier in the episode. He was doing a quant network deep dive, and he found some esoteric meanings here. So the, the community is asking, Waters, can you give us a brief update or at least an in-depth teaser on what you found with quant network? This is a project we constantly talk about, and their founder, Gilbert Verdian, worked at the Federal Reserve for many years. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Sure. Do you want to um, just zoom into the quant logo? And I could just show you a couple things really quickly. Just zoom into their logo and you're going to be able to- I'm actually going to pull up a very big picture and I'll get it on screen waters right now. Give me one yeah. Second. So when you want to learn about what's going on behind a company, you could just decode their logo, decode their symbolism and whether they meant to do it or it was completely unconscious how they ended up there. Uh, it doesn't matter because that's the energy or the frequency that is moving them. They're being used by this code. So I just want people to be aware, like what I'm about to get into now, it's not like the company quant is like this nefarious new world order, you know, Illuminati, Freemason, you know, shit. It's much more than that. And I don't want to go that path of putting people into boxes because I don't know anyone who works for quant or the people behind that technology. I've never, you know, and I, I, I keep it fair until I actually know who it is that I'm getting into. I don't want to go that route. So if you could pull up the logo, I could just break down a couple things that are, there you go. So right there in the center of that logo where it's a uh, hollow, that is a hexagon. So a hexagon is a symbol that's tied to Saturn and the worship of Saturn. Um, so when you look at Saturn from above the eye of Saturn, you'll actually see the hexagon within the, uh, the, um, planet. I don't like using that word, but again, like because of the audience I'm working with today, I just want to keep it very, very basic. Um, so yeah, you have this hexagon logo, which is typically tied to, to, to Saturn and this people might ask, why does it have anything to do with Saturn? It has to do with the sides. So one, two, three, four, five, six sided polygon. It literally comes back to hex being uh, six. 
And on the sixth day, it's called the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath is Saturn. Okay. Saturn's day is our Saturn day, right? And it's tied to that number. Um, and then you also have this ring around it of six um, flowers. It literally almost looks like a flower, this logo. It's an unfolded cube. That's what the symbolism is, is actually. And black and white is typically very, very Masonic. Uh, when you see this checkerboard, checkerboard symbolism of black and white, that is very Masonic in nature. But I'll, I'll let you know, it's not as nefarious as some people think. Black is the symbol, the symbology behind the subconscious mind, whilst white is the symbolism behind the conscious mind. So you have the white and black also in the yin yang symbol. That's not only the white and the black, it's the black within the white and the white within the black. So there's very, very deep meaning here. It's this awareness of darkness as a as a palette for light. For instance, when your cell phone is shut off, it's black. But then when you turn it on, the light shines through it. So again, it's nothing nefarious. It's just deep, deep sim symbolism. So quant is interesting because it's short for quantum. And I think that's where everything is going. As we enter what is called the age of Aquarius, we will be going quantum. We will be a cashless world. We will have no paperwork anymore. All paperwork like passports and, you know, birth certificates and all of this stuff is going to go away and it's going to be replaced by something tied to your phone. Um, that's just the way things are moving. So QR codes and everything like that. This is all this is all kind of what I'm seeing in quant symbolism. It's very promoting of that symbolically quantum. Let me ask you something. Maybe it's not directly related to crypto. We're looking at Saturn's hexagon now. What is what is the explanation that they give us? What is what do they tell us about this hexagon, for example? All of these scenarios you're going to see here, they call it a storm. Um, but if you're getting into how all things grow on Earth, there is a core like where you have this energy coming through the center out from the top and through the bottom, like an apple, for instance, when you cut an apple open, it's all just Taurus fields. Okay. Like not to get super, super deep right now, but everything is just Taurus fields. We have a Taurus field. That's why when you go somewhere that you've never been before, they call you a tourist. Okay. Taurus is the bull, the bull, right? So, yeah. Yo, I'm about to come out with a decoding mastermind. So for the people that want to know more about this particular stuff, you know, that's the inspiration behind me creating this course because I could riff off of this stuff endlessly forever. But to have something comprehensive where people could walk away from it as a basic, you know, beginner and then walk away and like really, really know what's up. But yeah, we're all just we're all just walking tourist fields. So um, getting back to your question um, about what that planet is. Well, from the top would be like the crown from the top of your head. And this energy comes out and has to go back in. But all of this shit is make believe what they're showing you. These are all fake composite images. And they've admitted to this. NASA has literally admitted that every picture they show you is a composite image, which means that it's essentially been photoshopped. And they've admitted like they are not hiding what I just said. It's not a conspiracy theory anymore. Like what we're looking at right now is 100% composite image. It's Photoshop fun. You could hire somebody on Fiverr to do the same thing. It'll probably be better than the picture you're seeing right now, actually. I'm not going to lie. The edges on Jupiter look a little rough in this image, guys. But we got 494 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you for being here, Waters. I'm going to continue to say that. 
Chainlink is another logo with the hexagon symbology in it. So overall, when you're looking at crypto projects, is that something you would identify? Are you are you looking for hexagrams? Are you looking for octagons? Maybe you can elaborate. Well, you know, this is up for debate, but the idea of the age we're moving into being the Aquarian age. Some people say it's ruled by Saturn. Some people say it's ruled by uh, Uranus. You know, it's really up to, I'm not even going to go that route of the debate of what's right and what's wrong. But I think this hexagon symbol is a symbol of the blockchain. And it's right there in the word blockchain. You are chained to the block. So you will be literally one with this quantum world. Your DNA and your essence that is you will be tied to this. And that's evident in a place like China where they have a social score system. So all of this blockchain stuff actually sort of promotes that direction. Um, and when I see the hexagon, I can almost instantaneously know that it is not promoting of life. It's more promoting of control and actually slowing down the free movement of peoples slowing down the you know full freedom of how somebody could spend their money or spend their um their greatest currency which is time you know blockchain is all about time it's an algorithm it's timing based right we could explain this or expose this through the bitcoin blockchain and how every so odd minutes there's a block complete and then you have a having event and then half of that uh the you know, you guys know this already. This is all about time. So the hexagon symbolism to me is directly tied to Saturn because Saturn in the mythology is father time. This is about time. It's about your fourth dimension or your mortality. Um, I don't like that kind of shit personally. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of all these symbols. And they're, they're right there in our face. Like if you guys have the YouTube studio app, you guys probably have this downloaded on your phone since you guys have a YouTube channel. Look at the YouTube studio app. Just load it up really quickly and you'll see what I mean. Uh, so right there, the Ethereum logo is the pyramids as above, so below. It's the masculine and the feminine merging together as one. But this How YouTube... Would you to pull up that YouTube studio live, Waters? Yeah, you could pull that up. And when Perfect. you pull that up, I'm going to... It's not only just a hexagon, it's three hexagons. It's it's two hexagons on the outside, but a ring of the hexagon. That's the 666. So much like, do you have any theory? Have you been able to do anything with the th new Threads app logo? A lot of people are, you know, saying how it, it's actually a six with a six with a six. Uh, I don't know what that is. Can you show? Oh, yeah. so the threads threads is the new. You know, app I, I'm like Patrick Star. I live under a I, I live under a rock until people let me know what's up. It's Zuck's version. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a wizard. So here we go, Waters. This is what it is. Zuckerberg basically launched a competitor to Twitter, and they copied a lot of the code. But they spent years coming up with this symbol. And as I look at it, it looks very. I'm going to let you go into it, though. Actually, you take over. Yeah. So this 666 symbol, it just goes back to carbon. Carbon is six protons, six neutrons, six electrons. This is a carbon-based life that we have. Um, I know people want to make it like demonic and call it the number of the beast. But yeah, this is clearly uh, following through with the 666 essence. It's very noticeable also in Steph Curry's brand. I don't know if it's like a clothing brand or whatever, but Steph Curry's brand, it's again, another one of these 666 right in your face uh, symbols. 
Um, and there's probably a little bit more going on here. Like I see the A, and if we were to flip this sideways, which is something we always do as decoders, we we turn symbols, we mirror symbols. You want to see it from other angles because that's where the nuances, that's where the real secrets are. And to me, this looks like a bit apple, and that's a huge symbol for them because that Ow. goes back to the Garden of Eden, and that goes back to uh, you know the starting point of the so-called fall of man. And all of this free will talk and the idea of why they're secret societies and why they live in the shadows to serve the light and why they keep us, you know, controlled through consciousness. And yeah, the Apple logo is everything. Whenever you're seeing these these apples, um, it's talking about a distorted or broken Taurus field. I just talked about it earlier. If they can fuck your Taurus field, they could control every part of you. This is the purpose of vaccinations. This is the purpose of all of this stuff. Even baptism. People don't know this, but baptizing somebody is the process of putting them through this de distorting their toroidal field. I know this is rough because it's I've like a lot. Of no, keep going. I, I really enjoy this content. <laughs> Yeah, no, like a lot of this stuff, like people are wondering, like, why, why am I getting hurt? Why am I getting injuries? Why am I going through these problems? Like, why am I having issues with my lymphatic system or my adrenals or any of this stuff? And it's like, yeah, you've been put through all these rituals as a child. Like, they don't even tell you they make it sound good and positive. But like, these are literal Luciferian rituals that they put babies through. And nobody thinks that it is that. And that's exactly where you hide. That's where the devil hides, you know, and, and gets away with deceit through things that have been popularly passed off as positive. You have Ash Wednesday where they're literally putting a cross on your pineal gland. With ashes, what's that symbol, you, right? You think about this stuff and they're calling it Christian. Jesus wasn't doing any of this stuff. <laughs> this is like the least Christian stuff. It's all coming to you from this like distorted, you know, like a breakdown of the body's energy systems, or you could even talk about chakras or whatever you want to entertain. But this is important. You know, this is really important that people uh, learn this awareness because this hexagon is going to be placed on the toroidal field to completely de destroy its natural motion. Waters, let me ask you this. All of us have unwillingly gone through many of these rituals. What are some of the steps that we can do so to cleanse ourselves, maybe heal our auras? Well, fasting is the probably the best method. Do nothing. You know, literally do nothing. The body is so perfect that it heals itself. You don't need a doctor. Like you literally heal yourself through doing nothing. If you want to heal your mind, stop thinking so much. If you want to heal, you know, your sexual organs, stop having sex, you know, stop ejaculating. If you want to heal your stomach and your gut microbiota, stop consuming. You know, the only thing that really sends you to your grave the fastest out of all things is your own tongue. Mm -hmm. It is the way we eat that typically sends us to our graves very early. That's why they call it diet because it has the word die in it. Have you ever thought about the word inflammation? It literally means to be on fire. Inflammation. It's to light you on fire. That's fascinating. Uh, Johnny Crypto, I hope you're paying attention, my friend, because we got 487 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. Waters, we're obviously talking about much more than the crypto market right now. But if we were to connect this to the age of Aquarius, how does this all come together? I know the age of Aquarius is when they say the waters will flood 
the world and we'll go through this transition. I'm definitely not hmm. informed with stuff. So I'd love to hear your take. Yeah. So Aquarius is an air sign, the water bearer. And it's even spoken about in the Bible saying, I will meet you like, and you will see a man bearing a pitcher of water. And that was really the whole concept behind the transition from the Piscean age into the Aquarian age. And for me, you know, the way that I look at it is the 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 way you'll know without a shadow of a doubt that we are in the Aquarian age is when we go cashless. The moment that all cash is no longer accepted, coinage and cash, all fiat physical currency, that'll be the way that we know for sure that we are in the Aquarian age. Now, as for the idea of water and that symbolism, remember, it's called currency, right? It has the word sea in it, like the ocean, right? So this is all tied back to that symbolism anyways, because it's money, you know, money is literally all tied to. Yeah, it's all tied to water symbolism. Um, so, yeah, I think there are events to come, but I've told many, many people that the world will start having big rituals based in air and fire from now on. And we know this as a fact, because the first big event that we've had transitioning into this like 21st century was 9-11. And that was planes in the sky. And then you have this recent two and a half years PSYOP C-19, and that was germs flowing, you know, being transmitted through the air. This is we're in the age of Aquarius as a transitional period, but we are not full blown there until we are cashless. Um, again, that's all air, right? Instead of transacting with cash, you'll be transacting with tap to pay. You'll be transacting digitally. This is all through the airwaves. So it's all air symbolism, actually, with Aquarian age. Uh, the idea of the water, um, it's not so in your face as much as it would have been in the Piscean age, where we were seeing shit like the sinking of the Titanic, and we were seeing all that kind of, you know, this this is the start of the Federal Reserve System, that big ritual. So anybody who follows Jordan Maxwell, and I'm sure you're familiar with his work, Waters, he talks about how we are ruled by maritime law. So let me ask you, is that something that's going to exist in the age of Aquarius, or are we going to have a new rule where I guess the old outdated law and order doesn't really apply. Yes, yes, we will move into something new, but I am uncertain of who it will benefit. You know, like I we're in a weird time right now where we could be entering some what of a Hunger Games like world in the next 20 years. I don't think it's going to happen very soon, but I do think there will be a break, you know, some sort of break off uh, society where we see the ultra elite um you know, continue to do what they do best, which that's just what it is. You know, you can't blame them. And from what the what the masses do, they're going to have to figure this out. You know, they're really going to have to figure out, like, where do I want to be in this? Do I want to be a free man or do I want to go with the conveniences of this technocratic new age? I think one of the biggest things is people are so addicted to the stimuli that they get from cheap and easy dopamine on social media apps like Humans are so, 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 so addicted to that stuff that if you took that away from them, I think they would have worse withdrawals than somebody who shoots up heroin. Yeah. So we are working, we are working in a position right now where you're going to see the new, the, the controller, the apex predator, whatever you want to call them, they are gonna start to dangle that carrot in front of you and say, oh, you spent too much time on Twitter today. So you're not good. We're taking that away from you. Or you need to do something to earn time to utilize these platforms. And that's going to be devastating for content creators. 
because you typically are advertising or sharing, you know, whatever it is that you're doing on these platforms. So I don't know where this is going to go. I really don't. I just know where it's going to go for me. And that's, you know, like I'm staying super, super positive and I'm keeping a circle of excellent people around me. I don't keep a circle of weak people around me. So when I say weak, I don't mean regarding their physi physiological strength. I mean, regarding their mental and spiritual and conscious strength. You know, that's really, those are the people that I keep in my circle. So this is the time family out of all the times, like don't surround yourself by a bunch of people that are just that, you know, zombies, you know, this isn't the time you have to be around excellent people. Which it seems like the 3T Warrior Academy is doing. You know, you guys have an incredible team. And uh, that's why I'm here communicating with you guys today, because we could have these conversations and, you know, it could flow like this. Something even more interesting, and thank you for that compliment, Waters. It really does mean a lot. Every single member of our team is in a different state. All of us basically came together out of nowhere. Johnny's in Connecticut. Maybe I shouldn't say where people are. We're all in different parts of the country, long story short. And what we like to say behind the scenes, if you want to talk about it right now, is that we vibrated into alignment with one another. Once we started to have the same goals, the same energy, we came into each other's lives. And now these two guys right here on the screen are some of the closest friends I have on the planet. But guys, we got 489 live listeners here. Show us some love and thank Waters for being here. I do have one question for you for the live chat. Yeah, do you and think just to let you guys know, I have like five minutes and then I have to move on. Let's let's get into some tokenization talk then. We're, we're seeing that XLM is being used in Ukraine for a central bank digital currency. And Ripple right now is working with 20 countries and building CBDCs. What are you anticipating on that front? Do you think 2024 is going to be the year when central bank digital currencies hit the masses? Mm, no, I think it will be for specific places, but I don't think full-fledged the entire world just yet. No, I don't believe that. I think especially America is going to take some time. Um, I look at the world reserve in America, like staying and everything kind of maintenancing itself. I think it's just kind of this totalitarian tiptoe. Now, Europe, on the other hand, is kind of weird. Um, I've shared a theory that I have, and it's very out there. And it's a theory. You know, a lot of the stuff we've talked about today was very matter of fact, and very based in something. But when it comes to what I'm about to share, um, I think that they're going to ritualize the Balkan nations as their next, you know, maneuver with this Ukraine Russia conflict and I would not be surprised if it clogs up you know the way the movement of goods and further distorts uh you know a hyperinflationary event in energy for Europeans and this is all going to collide with one thing that I heard directly from Christine Lagarde of the Euro Central Bank where she said we are going to be making our decisions by September into October of this year about the digital euro Wow. And that shit, that shit blew my mind. Like she said it on an interview. I'm, I'm sure I think bearable bull uh, shared it with me. So you could go check out his, um, you know, Twitter or something, but you could find this. It was a recent event. And she said that they're going to be making a decision on this. And then the guy who was getting interviewed followed up with like, what's your thoughts on Bitcoin? What's your thoughts on all this? And then she started to do the typical pedal back where she's like, you it could tell that every time you bring up crypto, these people start to get kind of, they feel attacked as if that's going to be your off ramp to get out of this bullshit that they're trying to do. But now she said her decision, she didn't say that they're going to go live the same way people thought fed now would have went live on J July 1st. And we still don't even know if it's going to go live in two weeks. They haven't given us an actual date. And until it goes live, it's just speculation. The same thing with her saying October, that's speculation. You guys know how governments work. This shit could take much longer than we anticipate. So 
I don't think 2024 or the end of this year uh, into 2024 is possible, but these people, when they create a ritual, they never waste a good crisis. So the theory behind the Balkan nations comes from some of the shit that's been going down exoterically. We had in the NBA, we had Nikola Jokic becoming like the best player in that particular season. And he was yeah. given all this prana. Then we have the tennis player, uh, Djokovic. I forgot his, his name. Uh, you guys know, really world famous uh, tennis player, both from Serbia. And then you had this event that happened with Andrew Tate who again, his whole thing is going, all of the legal troubles he's facing is in Romania. So I think this is a setup. They're getting all this energy going to that particular part of the world. We could call it Eastern Europe, if you'd like. And they're about to pull off an event and it will revolve around that place, that particular geography. And it will involve the Ukraine-Russia narrative that's already been built up two years ago. And that's really all they need to push a Euro digital, a digital Euro concept, right? They only need one event. How they're going to do it, I'm not sure. But this can go live overnight, and they know that. They know that they could they could flip this on pretty damn quickly. Um, so that'll be the last thing I say about that. I mean, I can't say globally. 2024 is way too close, and um, especially for America. I've talked with people in fintech and people who've worked in some of the you know bank, bigger banks, and they've admitted to me like they don't have updated systems yet. Like they're still pretty archaic. Like they're working on computers that are like old fart computers. So if you think they're working with like quantum computers and all this shit in the government, they're not. You know, they're really not. The CIA and the Department of Homeland Security and what's going on in the Pentagon, sure. But when it comes to finances, they're basically allowing the commercial banks to do whatever the fuck they want. And then the Federal Reserve does whatever the fuck they want. And they're all just dealing with each other with bonds. But when it comes to people and retail, like, no, we're not there yet. So, Waters, one last question. I know you got to run. A lot of people are wondering, let's say that everything comes to fruition at the World Economic Forum saying, let's say they get control of everything. Everyone's renting. We don't really have freedom. What is the point? What is the end game there? Let's say they control everybody and they they get their plans. Like, why is that even the end goal? Even if you control everybody and everyone's dependent on you, like, what is the end game there? You know, I don't really think they want, like, when we talk about the New World Order, we make it seem like they want to control us. But really, they've allowed us all the ground to make our own decisions and decide for ourselves, like, how we want this reality to go, you know? Like, I grew up in New York with a father who was a drug addict, pretty much with a single mother. Like I grew up with like not the greatest setup of circumstances. I bought my first car. I didn't I barely graduated high school. I didn't really care too much about furthering my education. I decided to travel instead of like save my money to like invest. I I did like a lot of shit backwards and I still ended up in this reality that I have today where I'm able to tap into so many people across the world which I'm so grateful for. Some of us are just like set on a path where we need to kind of change direction if we start to feel a uh, struggle or start to feel uncomfortable. And most people just rather go the path of maintenance their lack of comfort through numbing themselves you know so most of the world actually chooses to have the shit that they're dealing with they just don't want to admit it i see it happen so often you know people are staring at phone screens all day and then they're complaining about the new world order about how they can't uh, start a business or they can't do this or that or the third but the same phone that you're using to consume so much you can use to create quite a bit you have 24 hours in a day i have the same amount of hours as you you know, why is it that one person's working 12 and the other person's watching Twitter scrolling up and down for 12 hours? It's just totally different utilizations of time. 
So not to be like a motivational speaker here, but I just want to say that when we talk about the New World Order trying to control and this, that, and the third, I think they've given us a, a very, you know, open playing field. We just don't want to pay attention. We rather invest our, uh, we rather pay attention instead of invest our attention. Thank you so much, Waters. And I know you got to run. We got 506 yeah, live here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Thank you so much, Waters, for making time for us today. We got a couple of articles we're going to touch on at the end of the show, but I want to ask the live chat one question. Do you agree? Do you agree? Well, actually, let's ask this question. Under any circumstance, would you put a chip in your body for the financial system? Put a one in the live chat if you would get chipped. Put a two in the live chat if you would not get chipped. I really want to hear from you, but thank you so much, Waters. I'm going to let you go. Any closing remarks here? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, maybe me and Johnny could connect um, on organizing a date next month. If you guys want to, you know, get get one in in August, maybe I could give a little bit more time. It was great to connect with you guys, and I appreciate you sharing your uh, community and your time and allowing, you know, this truth it means a lot to me. Thank you so much. It means Absolutely. a lot to us as well. Go ahead, Johnny. Absolutely, Jordan. I'll, I'll be reaching out to you. I know just as Putin had an exit plan, you have to exit too today. We love you, brother. <laughs> And I'll get you back. Yeah. We'll get you back on the show in August for sure. All right. I love you guys. Everyone who's listening to this, much love. Love you too, brother. That being said, guys, we're going to finish this thing out with a strong note. We got some great articles with XRP and central bank digital currencies. But before we do, here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. It is the smartest way to track your crypto, guys. <laughs> Johnny, welcome back from the bathroom, my friend. And we got a great video I'd love to play for you. This is somebody I think everyone should follow on Twitter. I'm trying to find this video here. So Cypress Dimencore. I can't pronounce this guy's name, but I do want to give him a shout out. If he ends up watching this video, I would love to interview this man on the show. So guys, feel free to reach out to him on Twitter. But with that being said, here's a brief video showing how $32 trillion in tokenization is set to hit the crypto market in the next two years. Let's talk about it. If you all are not paying attention to XDC and the XDC network, you need to be checked this out. We know that yesterday the MPs were considering the remaining stages of the electronic trade documents bill. Well, guess what? That got passed. Check this out, right? We know that the global trade market is set to reach $32 trillion. That was projected the 13th of December last year, $32 trillion. Let's go even farther. We know that October last year, 2022, Chris Southworth, Secretary General, ICC United Kingdom, said, this is a game-changing moment for the world of trade as so much of the global trade operates on English law. This piece of legislation will put a rocket booster under the drive to remove paper and finally bring the global trading system into the 21st 
century. Check this out. Shout out to Cryptonair D. Listen to what this gentleman has to say about the electronic trades document bill finally coming into fruition full term towards the end of this year. So, Johnny, I think we got the gist of the video there. We talked about the esoterics of this market for quite a while on the show. But when we talk about the litigation, that is also coming to fruition. Earlier this year, the largest bank in UK got the green light and migrated into ISO compliance. That means they can start using digital assets to see 32 trillion in tokenization. I don't think it's going to come into the market all at once. I think it'll trickle in over time. But what are you anticipating, Johnny? This is specifically involving XDC. Yeah, I mean, you know, XDC is one of those um, technologies that I or cryptos that I always felt was worth having some of that in my stable apps because I do feel when you look and yes, I did, by the way, that's why I was late getting back to my seat. But um, so just for hygiene comes first, health is wealth. But anyway, abs, it's so important that, you know, you look at some of the ISO technologies that are out or coins that are ISO compliant. And to me, again, I've said this many, many times. We don't know which ones are going to win the race. But you want to try to put some of those, I sound like a broken record, putting them in your stable. And to me, certainly there is going to be tokenization coming. Um, I do know that XDC was a whole big part of that R3 quarter piece of project. So I do believe they will have some some part to play in this whole thing. You also got things like XA, yeah, it's cheap too right now, under four cents, right? Not a financial advice, not financial advice. So certainly there's, there's just a lot of, so much going on, Abs. There's so many different opportunities out there to play with. And, and again, you have to just look at which ones you think makes the best sense for you. But tokenization will come. $32 trillion, probably even more than that. But you're right. It's not going to happen like it doesn't work how you flip a switch and tomorrow there's $32 trillion tokenized. That doesn't work that way. It's going to be a gradual, in my opinion, it'll be a gradual increase over time of more and more things. At some point, you do kind of get an inflection point when people start to realize, like, holy cow, everything's going this way. We got to get on this train, too. And then that inflection kicks off. But I don't know when that's going to be or how at what point. But, but yeah, there's no doubt. If you just fast forward five to ten years from now, we won't know how to talk about anything but a blockchain and digital currency. And your kids won't even know what a dollar or a piece of paper was. They won't even know what cash money was, Abs. Absolutely, guys. And check out this latest update out of the XRP lawsuit. Mario, I'd love to get your thoughts here. Yesterday, we got a ruling in the library case. That was a case ongoing in New Hampshire where library was offering an unregistered security. Well, the SEC actually got some wins during that case, and they may work against the ruling that's currently happening with Ripple. John Deaton and David Schwartz both commented yesterday. I'm going to read two tweets and kick it back to the group. In short, although I and others believe we would have a ruling in the Ripple versus SEC case, there are some other cases and examples that have taken an equal amount of time to make a decision. Judge Torres is likely aware of the magnitude of this decision, and I'll add this line, that's why she's taking her time. David Schwartz responded to John Deaton right underneath this tweet. He said, I know waiting is annoying. We'd, have, we'd all love to have a ruling on the summary judgment motions as soon as possible, but I wouldn't think that anything was wrong, unusual, or strange, at least until the end of September. Mario, this is a conversation we're going to continue to have until we get a ruling here. But let's just talk about David Schwartz statements. A couple of weeks ago, Brad Garlinghouse said weeks, not months. Well, David Schwartz is now saying months. What does it mean to you, my friend? Yeah, look, I, I don't think nobody knows, right? And we've been hearing anytime now already for the past year. Uh, we've been expecting some kind of a decision to come. Uh, and so far, we've not heard anything. And, and the problem is, like, it's at this point, we're two years and a half into it. Everybody is just so impatient. People invested 
people have been hodling XRP probably since the, the, the previous bear market, you know, 2018, 2019, everybody was expecting the bull run of 2020, 2021, or 2021, 2022, depends how you look at it. Um, everybody was expecting XRP to also reach new all-time highs. Then we got slammed with this lawsuit. Things kind of got put on a pause. So people are like, all right, more time to accumulate. Let's get into XRP. XRP has been heavily suppressed. I mean, Waters spoke about it uh, in, into detail at the beginning of the episode as he did his analysis. And now we're at a point where it's like, man, we've been <laughs> we've been hodling this thing. I mean, I've been hodling XRP since 2017. It's been a long time. And, you know, when you take into account then all these uncertainties and the, um, I mean, I don't mean uncertainties from a point of uh, not knowing that XRP is going to do what it does, but I mean, uncertainties with the case and things are looking rather positive. And I think that we will, I think that the worst is behind us. And I think the long wait is yet to come. I really hope that when September does come, we don't get this uh, worst case scenario, which is she doesn't make a decision. She has to go and, and justify her reasons. And then because of all the other looming cases, and I agree with, with what's being said there, I think Judge Torres is under pressure because now there's even more um, impact to her decision with the looming cases of the Binance and Coinbase. So I don't know, man. <laughs> it's yeah. a tough one, but I really hope we're coming to an end here. Well, Johnny, there's a lot that we can discuss right now, and everyone's focused on the library case, but we've been talking about tokenization for a couple of days. I do want to read this stat right here. Tokenization of U.S. treasuries has surpassed 600 million as crypto investors begin to capture the trade by yield. Crypto investors now effectively held 614 million in the U.S. government via different tokenized treasury products. That's a massive number, Johnny, but we've talked about the Bitcoin ETF for a little while now, and that's where I think the real catalyst is for this wealth. The BlackRock ETF could unlock $30 trillion worth of wealth, says a Bloomberg analyst. And this is something I'd like to get your thoughts on. We talk about Mark Yusko all the time, but he's described this. Per Actually, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play a quick uh, clip of Mark Yusko here, and then we're going to kick it back to Johnny Crypto. Here we go. If let's just say these spot Bitcoin ETF applications were approved, what does that do in terms of demand for spot? for Bitcoin? Because that's something that I've been trying to get a sense I, of. I think it's a big, big, big number. Big. Mm. Like, like big. <laughs> like, mm. like, you know, Julie Roberts in Pretty One, big mistake. Huge. I mean, <laughs> big, big, big. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't even put a number on it. I mean, it's, it's in the, I don't know, hundreds of billions. Easy. Hundreds of billions easy from Mark Yusko himself. Johnny, floor is yours. He must have interviewed him on a Wednesday because I see Mark's wearing his pink shirt. So, but, uh, you know, he's right. I, I mean, I've been saying this for a while on the show that I think that the minute this BTC ETF comes in, Abs, that's going to unlock some of that huge amounts of money that's been sitting on the sidelines. And we've heard one, two, three percent. Uh, or one, two, three basis points of, of of hedge funds and institutional managers saying they would put that into this space. And that is going to be, like Mark said, hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, remember, Bitcoin right now is only about hundreds of billions of dollars. It's a half a trillion, right? So, you know, if another half a trillion comes in, you could theoretically see it going to maybe a trillion dollars, right? Which, uh, and we kind of saw that. And, and maybe it's even more than that, Abs. Maybe it's, you know, I think that maybe just the beginning and then it flows in beyond 
seeing, you know, this move to a churion to maybe a churion and a half dollars, I don't think is inconceivable, but nobody knows. Mark doesn't even have a clue. He just knows it's going to be freaking big. And I couldn't agree with him more. It is going to be big. I believe that's going to be the catalyst to help drive this thing all to break all noon time highs and into six figures. Been saying it for a while. China Crypto, another update out of Coinbase this week. And me and Gonzo had a great debate. Gonzo, I don't know if you're listening here, but I'd love to talk about it on the show tomorrow. We talked about how Coinbase was chosen as a surveillance partner for BlackRock Fidelity and now CBOE for their spot Bitcoin ETF. The conclusion that I was making is that I don't think it's very, I don't think it's out on a limb to say we're going to see some of these big companies support Coinbase in the lawsuit against the SEC. And that could be when times really change for crypto, Mario. So just briefly, do you think we'll see a day when Coinbase is getting support from BlackRock, Fidelity, and some of the largest companies on the planet. Yeah, definitely. Look, Coinbase has got this uh, leadway when it comes to uh, being a custodian in the United States. They're the only um, publicly publicly traded company, so that tells a lot. And I think these companies, they do their homework. They know exactly what they're dealing with. They know exactly why the SEC is coming after them. It's not because Coinbase is a shady company that's doing things under the rug and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that they're not, but who knows? But at the end of the day, they know that this is this is a technicality on the Howey test. And this is a technicality on the SEC wanting to regulate the crypto market based on existing laws. They know that the United States is playing catch up or pretending to play catch up. And at some point, they're going to flip the switch or flip their, their sentiment, um, three, you know, 180. And they're going to be like, oh, here's the uh, crypto regulation. This is how we're going to do it. And crypto is the next best thing. And now it's too late, guys, because all the big institutions are already in it. So you guys are too late. But I definitely think that they're being, um, they know exactly what they're doing. Coinbase, Coinbase is, in my opinion, going to be the kind of like Amazon or, or Apple, or at least their position to be when it comes to exchanges or crypto custodians and exchanges. Johnny Crypto, you got to give me some brief thoughts, and we're going to close this show out with an XRP article discussing how Saudi Arabia published an article earlier this year where they said they are going to be using XRP as a settlement form with oil trade. We're going to be breaking that down, and I think we're going to have to spend a lot of time on tomorrow's episode discussing it as well. But do you think we're going to see a day where companies like BlackRock and Fidelity support Coinbase in the lawsuit against the SEC? This guy. Sorry, Abs. I got uh, I got a, a, a issue here, family issue. I got to deal with. So I apologize. We have to defer that question to Mario. No problem, guys. We can actually end the show if you guys don't feel interested. Well, I, we got a lot of listeners here, so I'll close this show out with a really interesting article. Earlier today, I came across this tweet from Jack the Rippler. It said Saudi's British bank launches an instant cross-border transfer service powered by Ripple. And within this article right here, I didn't have enough time to highlight it throughout the show. But what it discussed is how they're beginning to incorporate RippleNet into cross-border transactions. Now, the number one reason for this, it's not only because companies are moving away from the U.S. dollar, but they're moving into a settlement means that happens quicker, faster, and cheaper. So I'm going to just kick it over to Mario, and Johnny's back. We'll go to him. What do you think about this news here, Mario? Saudi Arabia potentially uh, leveraging RippleNet for oil trade. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Uh, we see constant news come out of that part of the world when it comes to like partnerships, advancements in blockchain technology, partnerships with with Ripple, so on and so forth. Ripple's thriving on on, on that side. And in reality, the only reason why they, they, they're not doing apparent, like they're not doing better in the United States is because there's this looming cloud. 
once this looming cloud gets gets lifted, I have no doubt that you know all these different companies in America, banks, financial institutions, will turn to Ripple and will say, "All right, we want to give your technology a try." Because look, let's face it, we talk about it all the time. Of course, they want a piece of the pie. They're in it to make money. There is so much money that they that they make out of transactions alone in the banking sector. So if they can fulfill these transactions quicker, and ultimately they're giving the user a better experience. It's a no-brainer, but it all comes down as well to who controls the underlying system. And to give away that control to a company like Ripple, there's going to have to be financial. Um, there's going to be a, have to be a financial uh, vesting part as well. So, but it will it will happen. I mean, the clues are all there. We keep seeing this from that part of the world, and I think that's a sign of what's to come. Thank you, you know, so much. There is there is a ton a ton of money on that side of the world abs it's very fascinating to see that that money is looking at the ripple technology and wanting to play with that technology i think that's very significant to be honest with you and i do believe that what will happen is over time as mario kind of rightfully said it's like it's like we know that 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 you know they got ripple kind of got kicked out of the u.s right they haven't been able to play here right now because of all the you know this lawsuit and stuff happening there but we do know that they've been able to plant their seeds in the rest of the world and they're growing right now. And that's been significant. Now, I think what will happen here, Abs, is as that that growth continues overseas, if it becomes more prominent at some point. Here, when you get back to the U.S., you, you have to figure out how do you work with those systems that are implemented? It's almost no. by force rather than by 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 it growing organically. But nonetheless, it's it could happen either way. And that's why these kind of stories and these implementations of the true adoptions are super significant. Because at some point, if they get enough momentum around the rest of the world, then then the U.S. has to play with them. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Definitely. And when you think about Mario said something important, the power is shifting away from traditional banks and into fintech companies. I saw a great video yesterday. It said there's a the biggest misconception in the crypto market is that fintech is competing with the banks. I'm going to say that again. The biggest misconception in the crypto market is that the fintech companies are competing with the banks. Correct. That's not true. These That's guys are partners, not only behind the scenes, but right in front of our eyes. Johnny, give me your take. Fintech is here. Fintech is here to support and solve problems for the banks. I mean, that's what they do. They're not competing. They're providing solutions in that space because they know how archaic and how outdated those systems are. I was like, I got money the other day. Somebody gave me some money. I got to wait three days for it to show up in my account. Somebody Venmo me money. Three days. You know what I mean? Like, we, we're in 2023. It shouldn't take three days for us to get our money. So, I mean, to me, those are the fintech will be solving a lot of these problems to be able to, to make these systems faster, efficient, and, and lower cost. Guys, and for our last article in the show today, this is really interesting. Saab is HSBC, the old Saudi Arabian British bank. We're going to be deep diving that article tomorrow. I didn't have enough time in today's episode. But Mario, here's what we're going to close the show out on. A new company called Masari produced a report that stated Ripple is working with governments across the globe to explore central bank digital currencies built on top of the XRPL. Ripple is collaborating with over a dozen countries on CBDCs that will eventually run on the XRPL blockchain. The XRP ledger uses XRP as the native token. Ripple is one of the companies in leading the development of technologies that leverage the XRP for institutional and government use cases. The, the company is focusing on utilizing XRP 
and the XRPL to drive its on-demand liquidity service and CBDC initiatives. The new CBDC platform is based on the same technology that Ripple uses for the XRPL, and Ripple's working with more than 20 countries on central bank digital currencies today. And there's just one last headline I want to connect to this article. The United States Government Accountability Office is highlighting how blockchain's ability to streamline and improve annual reporting. What are we seeing right now? Even the United States government is acknowledging they're going to use blockchain and crypto, and XRP continues to be a part of that conversation. So I don't really have a question here, Mario. Just give me your thoughts. Yeah, I, I do want to say that, you know, words of caution, the, the, I, have, I still have a little bit of a hard time believing that central bank digital currencies will have some type of a connection to a cryptocurrency. So in this case, XRP benefiting from a central bank digital currency. And although I hope that does come true because, you know, I'm invested in XRP, um, I, my gut tells me that it will be something completely different. It will be more of like a private environment where a public uh, crypto may not necessarily have a part of it. And so that's why I say words of caution, because although this is a topic that gets everybody excited, if Ripple is put in a position where they have to either comply and continue to expand their business by creating a solution that doesn't necessarily include a public ledger, and they have to create private, which they're already working on, we know that, I think they will choose the route of expanding their business. Uh, they will put their business first. That's what I'm trying to say, as opposed to putting XRP Ledger first, like they keep saying they do. No doubt, hundred percent. When and that's kind of been a consistent theme we've said in the show for a while. Abs, as you know, there's no, you know, we've always felt like will the will the the big systems and big boys let the little guys play, and that's kind of a hard thing to to conceive, right? And so we all hope that you can own part of the rails, but we're not going to know. Most of this stuff may be private. A lot of the systems being developed are private and you can't access them. However, that's not to say that, you know, XRP couldn't have a place in other things or, or in other types of systems, but to, you know, right now you can't own the federal reserve, right? <laughs> so why would they let you own this one? So to me, that's kind of the, you know, the thing Mario brings up. I think we've always had that question on this show. Is it going to be something we can partake in? Maybe not directly, but maybe indirectly. And that's what's yet to be determined is what role would XRP play either in that system or in other systems. Hard to say. Maybe it's just in tokenization. And that may be good enough. That's why you can't get married to any of these technologies. You just have to understand what their capabilities are and what their potential for true adoption are. And one of the things that I just want to highlight before we close it out, even if they build central bank digital currencies on private side chains that don't deal with XRP directly, XRP will be the liquidity they use to connect. And this is something that we want to elaborate on here, Johnny. We only need 1% of that liquidity to enter the XRP blockchain to get those generational wealth numbers. 1% of a trillion dollars is a billion dollars. 1% of a hundred trillion is $1 trillion. And we're going to need more than 1% of liquidity to facilitate most of these transactions. And to close the show out on, this is Layla Hepburn, somebody who's very popular in the XRP community, did an interview with Andrew Tate, very prominent. She's talking about XRP and identifying how currencies like XRP are what's really going to change the world of finance. Can you explain what happened? Um, because you're not holding dollars anymore, are you? No, that's right. From, so there's a traditional banking model which says that every currency you need to move into, you have a Nostro account or a correspondent account in that country, and you have to transfer or debit and credit an account in that particular country, which means you're holding many different relationships in different jurisdictions. 
What we've done with the use of cryptocurrency and Ripple in particular, the XRP, is to be able to look at liquidity levels for each of those particular currencies and only have one unique currency we need to switch into, which is XRP. That's the gist of it right there. We talk about tokenization. We talk about CBDCs, Johnny. But this is where the real money is. Removing Nostro Bostro accounts, allowing banks to free up trillions in liquidity, and then that money has to go somewhere. I'm sure a portion of it's going to find itself in the crypto market. Why don't you close this out for today's episode? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the intention. And if it does end up happening that way, everybody who owns XRP is going to be a very, very happy, happy, happy owner. So I think that's what we're waiting to see is, is the XRP going to be the chosen one for liquidity? Or will there be some other solution that, that's private that we don't have access to? That's the key question in my mind that we need to keep an eye on. That's the real $64,000 question. App. So keep an eye on that one. We'll have to see how that whole thing plays out. Guys, we got 60 seconds left in the show. Let's get the live chat involved. If you think, turn that off for one second. If you think that XRP is going to outperform XRP, sorry, XRP is going to outperform XLM in the next bull run, Put a one in the live chat. If you think XLM is going to outperform XRP, put a two in the live chat. And Johnny, let's chat it up for 60 seconds while those answers flood in. One of the things that everybody's wondering is, why aren't you at the lake house, man? You're sitting in the office. It's it's July. You should be outside. So give us a second here. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, duh. actually, as soon as I get off the air, we will be going to the lake house. <laughs> it is 91 degrees out. And so there is definitely plans for that. Took the afternoon off and we'll be doing that. So uh, I'm just waiting for you to end the show so I can get on the damn lake. Hey, hey Johnny, Ab's already Ab's already said Connecticut. Now he said Lake House. I hope Jesus there's Christ. I hope there's a lot of lakes in Connecticut. Otherwise, no, guys, I'm just gonna say the address here. I are, yeah, to- what the hell? I mean, at this point, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, there are a lot of lakes, and maybe I don't even live in Connecticut. That's just the AI version of me. So yeah, it's really not Connecticut. But Absolutely, we'll- guys. Crazy times we live in, and there is a resounding number of ones, but we've got five number twos in the live chat. So the totals came in at 17 people think XRP. Five people think XLM. And we got 373 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Mario. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. And of course, thank you to our special guest, Waters Above. If you guys enjoyed this content, subscribe to the channel, like the video, and we'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, guys, get your shit together, baby. We love you.